Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for King Solomon's Wisdom, episode number one. My name is Rock Stevens, and this is my co-host, Brian Palaz. And today we have an absolutely incredible guest, very highly esteemed, not only in Texas masonry, but recognized nationally and internationally as well. Um, this is our most worshipful grandmaster, Paul D. Underwood of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas. Um, he's had a, quite the Masonic resume for his background, and we're, we're absolutely excited for him to be on our show today. Um, some of the kind of different uh, distinguished points and positions that he served in from before. Um, he was raised uh, at the age of 21 in Mesquite Lodge. He served as worship master. He's been in masonry uh, over 47 years now. He's received his 40-year pin, um, as well as serving from district deputy grandmaster, uh, presidents of several different boards of governors, uh, different positions from ex-students association from the Sonic Common School, which we're going to be able to talk about today as well, um, and from different positions as well as the potentate for the shrine. Uh, and many, many other positions we're going to consider today as well. Uh, but just to give a quick intro, this is going to be the most worshipful Grandmaster Paul D. Underwood. So thank you so much for joining us. Honored to be here. Absolutely. And I think, Brian, you wanted to mention also a point about uh, the title. And when we say, you know, for, for the lodge level, worshipful master, uh, or for the state level, most worshipful Grandmaster, uh, tell us a little bit about what does that mean and that distinction, that title. No, I wanted to preface and get everybody acquainted that it's not necessarily a term of... Uh, uh, worship, but rather it's a term of uh, endearment, and respect. endearment and respect, right, to the office, right, respect to the office that, you know, he's the one that's leading the whole state mm -hmm. uh, for the year, and that not everybody gets to do that, but also that it's a huge responsibility. Um, so we appreciate your work and effort, and thank you. Mm -hmm. So much worship. Well, tell us, from from the, the young age going through the Masonic Homeland School all the way up to, to today, tell us some of the, the light and some of the knowledge that you've gained from the Masonic Homeland School. Well, of course, uh, and my father was a Mason. That, that sort of uh, provided my pathway to attend uh, Masonic Coleman School. And, of course, tragically with his death is what precipitated me and my two brothers going there. I went there at the age of 10 right. from a very modest family. Um, and uh, it, my life changed dramatically. It, um, it put me on a level playing field with everybody else there. Mm -hmm. We all came from... Similar backgrounds, but we were all on the level there. Right. The Masonic term, but nevertheless, there we were introduced to the word being on the level. Right. And um, had a fine education provided for him, gave a, a really a tremendous education, and taught us at an early age uh, uh, independence. Mm -hmm. Because uh, even though you were provided for by adults, you were still. To some extent, you were independent. You didn't have a, a, a mother or a father to go uh, comfort you whenever something right. might have gone otherwise than what you wanted. It was a fantastic experience. It, uh, I say that it literally saved my life, because had I not gone there, my life would have turned out uh, much differently. Hmm. And I know you mentioned the term on the level, so that's something that uh, not only is rooted in masonry, it's something that people might have heard that term outside of masonry. Tell us some of, a little bit about the Masonic roots and what you learned and what does that mean? How does that tra transcend for today's version of modern masonry? What, is, what does that mean to be on the level? It just means that when we walk into a Masonic meeting that we leave our titles and our positions and our wealth and our poverty at the door. We're all equals. Absolutely. That's on the level in the purest sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so just to kind of give a little bit of a, a background and also to give you a, a modern version of that today as well. Um, so I, I, Brian is actually the secretary of our launch. Um, I'm a past master, uh, and as the, the most worshipful grandmaster, um, and everyone, even down to the newest initiate that might be uh, someone that just joined, um, as they become a master mason, and then we all have equal votes, it's something that's also important that I've seen in a day-to-day -day life, whether we're visiting lodges or if it's something that uh, it's someone within our own lodge, we treat everyone as equals. We treat everyone with respect uh, from, from the very highest all the way down to the, to the newest initiate with respect to make sure that everyone is, again, on that level. Um, so speaking on the level and, and taking it back to the Masonic Coleman School, uh, I was really curious. I wanted to ask, you know, you growing up with Freemasonry, you know, surrounded your whole life. Um, I'm sure at some point when you, you know, traveled outside the Masonic Coleman School, you've met plenty of people who've never heard of Freemasonry. Mm. Um, and so what, what do you tell them? How do you, you know, condense, you know, your whole life of Freemasonry to somebody who's never heard of it before? That's a, uh, a challenging question, but what I, what I like to describe masonry is, is, is how you live your life. If you live your life in, in consistent with the um, principles of masonry, that by just definition says that you're living your life as a good man, given to society and, and with the goal and, and hope that you leave this world a little bit better than you found it. Mm. Uh, simply put, a mason is is a good man, how he lives his life. I like that, and it also touches on to having Masonic values. So and it doesn't necessarily have to be a Mason in order to live Masonically. And so, you know, kind of touching back and forth between, you know, what, what makes a, an honorable man and an honest man, someone that uh, not only could be qualified or be worthy of the fraternity, but you can live Masonically without being a Mason. Um, Absolutely, yeah. and, and the, that man that is living his life um, consistent with Masonic principles, um, he very well um, uh, just doesn't know that our fraternity exists, but that uh, that man living the way he lives his life and seeing what Mason represents would automatically be, I think, a uh, uh, two magnets that attract each other. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, so, uh, but they have to know we exist first. Exactly. Curious. So for the gentleman who, you know, is involved in his community, who lives Freemasonry, but is not necessarily a Mason, um, what would entice him to become a Mason if he already lives his life as righteous as he does? Well, uh, I like to say that, of course, we have an expression that we use that Masonry it takes a good man and, and makes him better. And I like to add to that and, and say that masonry brings good men together. Mm. Uh, with that synergy, those good men do good deeds and good work for, for society. And uh, so it's, it's, so to speak as well, you're only as good as the company you keep. If you're hanging around with uh, solid men, you're going to feed off each other, and together you're going to uh, make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. I like that. Right. And, and speaking of doing, you know, bringing good men together and helping to make a bigger impact, I know you've been a part of several different organizations, uh, from the Scottish Rite uh, to the Shriners, um, from different portions, whether it's the Commandery, the Chapter Council, Allied Masonic Degrees, but Shriners Hospital is one of those I want to speak of because you are also a Shriner and you've also served as potentate, which is the, the, the presiding officer within that body. 
Uh, the Shriners Hospital does a lot of incredible things. Um, tell, tell our viewers a little bit about what, is, what does that mean from the Shriners Hospital and what does it mean to be a Shriner, the way that you can give back to, to the children? Well, first I'd like to say, my brother, is that uh, many people don't know that every Shriner is a Mason. Right. Mm -hmm. yep. It's a prerequisite to becoming a Shriner. Right. Because Shrine, the Shrine organization says, we want good men to be our members, and we're going to let the Masonic fraternity vet our membership before they become one of us. So that's a, that's a tremendously important piece. Right. But with that said, then these uh, Masonic Shriners, if you will, um, we, um, uh, the benevolence is, is helping a needy child medically, right. yeah, whether it be a burn hospital or an orthopedic hospital. And uh, I had the honor of serving for nine years on the Board of Governors of the Houston uh, Orthopedic Hospital. Wow. And, uh, you know, every month when I went there for a board meeting, it, it just, uh, it never got old mm. that they would, uh, you would go in there and you'd walk through the lobby and there'd be patients there. And it always reminded you of why you were doing what you were doing. And uh, it was another example of how masonry and shriners, but masonry, uh, giving back to society to make it better than we found it. Absolutely. Now, and, and I like that. And it, on, on the flip side, there's also the Scottish Rite Hospital, um, which you're also a Scottish Rite Mason. So tell us a little bit about kind of the distinction and what's the difference between the, the either the two hospitals or even just the two bodies in and of itself. Well, um, they're... The Scottish Rite portion of masonry is, is, they like to pride themselves, we like to pride ourselves as Scottish Rite Masons as being the, uh, the, uh, the college of masonry. Mm. The, uh, uh, and it's, it's uh, uh, presented with a bunch of several Masonic degrees that go up through the 32nd degree. But it's, it's more learning, more education, more enlightenment in what our fraternity, collective fraternity, is all about. Right. And uh, the benevolence of, of Scottish Rite is the uh, orthopedic hospital in Dallas. And there's also one just north of Dallas uh, that has just been, just been opened. Um, they treat orthopedic children from around the world as well. First class, world class uh, medical treatment for children. And all these hospitals we talk about are provided to these children and families around the world right. that, that with no expectation of payment by the family. Right. It's our gift to society. And I think that's an excellent point. I, I know um, something that was also impressive to me, I think there was something you've also been a big part of with the transportation and helping, because for the Shriners, like you're mentioning, it could be close by, it could be a different city, or it could be out of the state. Right, know? right. They have to travel to wherever they have to get to to finally get to their help. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did want to put a pin for a second in charity, and I wanted to go back to on the level. Mm. Um, a lot of people talk about Scottish Rite Masons as, you know, 32nd and 33rd, and what degree are you? But w as Masons, we know that the third degree is the highest level. Um, if you could talk a little bit about why is that, and why is it that the third degree is what unites us? Uh, the third degree or the 33rd degree? The third degree. Third degree. 
that's the, uh, if you will, that's the working level of masonry. Right. That the uh, entered apprentice mason as well as the Philocraft mason is, are those steps that we uh, take along the path um, uh, to reach the point of Master Mason. Master Mason, in fact, defines that uh, not that you're finished learning or finished growing, but that you're at the working class level in our fraternity, that you have all the rights and privileges of, of, uh, of all the activities that go on in, on in the lodge. What I wanted to touch base is that, you know, some people might find it a misconception that, oh, what, what degree are you? Are you a 27th or you're a 42nd? <laughs> and so that the numbers don't necessarily mean what level they are in Freemasonry, um, but rather that the third degree really is the ultimate capitulation to the degrees, at least at the Blue Lodge level. It is. It is the, the highest level you can reach in, in Blue Lodge Masonry. And all of these other bodies, they're called appendant bodies whether it be the Scottish Rite, the York Rite, or Shrine, Eastern Star, all of those are wonderful organizations, but they're appendant bodies of the Grand Lodge of Texas. And it uh, doesn't make them less, but it makes them organizationally uh, a part of the Grand Lodge of Texas. And, and speaking of those as well, so they, I know we referenced the three degrees in Blue Lodge, so Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, and Master Mason. Um, as you continue through that line, the people can also serve through a line of officers at their own lodge um, that include a lot of the traditional ones you might hear from, you know, Treasurer and Secretary and Vice President and President Equivalent. Uh, we have our own titles for those, as we mentioned, Worship Master. Um, out of all the lodges in Texas, there's hundreds of them. Correct me if I think there's about 700 or some odd number around there. All of those lodges are also sectioned into regions or what we call districts. Um, and then out of all those districts, they're also going to be, have, they have a leadership essentially for the state level. And for, for Blue Lodge Masonry, the highest level is the state. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, and so within that, it has its own uh, levels of leadership, if you will. Um, and a lot of our viewers might not be Masons, so just, just to kind of break that down a little bit as well. Um, inside of Texas Grand Lodge, the most worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas, um, tell us a little bit about the leadership, the different positions, and how you've served kind of through the, the positions ever since, you know, from the Grand South all the way to, to the current position today. There are uh, six statewide elected positions in the Grand Lodge of Texas. There are the, the Grand Secretary, just like the Secretary of the Lodge, the Grand Treasurer, just like the Treasurer of the Lodge. And those are year-to-year uh, -year elected positions that people frequently hold those positions for several years. Right. They don't have to, but they're elected, elected each year. But typically, just like in a lot, they would hold that position for more than one year. Whereas the other, the other four statewide elected positions are Grand Junior Warden, Grand Senior Warden, Deputy Grand Master, and Grand Master. Each one of those don't automatically progress, but they're elected each year to advance. And and essentially, they do advance, but there's no certainty they will advance. Right. Um, but uh, those those are what's called the Grand Lodge Trustees, and and those six presiding members of the Grand Lodge Trustees um, provide the leadership and direction for our fraternity uh, in between grand sessions, which we have once a year in January. That year in January, the membership gets together, as we will this coming January, 
and we will enact legislation, consider legislation that will impact the way our fraternity moves forward through the next year. So that's the, the I guess you'd say the, the, the governing board, if you will, right. of Grand Lodge of Texas. But then beneath that, there are uh, a host of uh, uh, statewide appointed positions, which uh, include everything from a grand chaplain to a grand orator and, and uh, grand marshal and so forth. But those positions uh, also are complemented by the district deputy grandmasters of the Grand Lines of Texas. And, and those are appointed by the grandmaster. This year we have 154 district deputy grandmasters in Texas. And, and those, uh, those district deputy grandmasters, they are the grandmasters representatives in each of the uh, 151 districts, there's, I believe, 151 districts there that are, um, um, they are the grandmaster representative for each of those districts. Right. They uh, visit the different districts that they're in. They take the message and communicate back and forth with the, the lodges in that district. And they're, they're, if you will, their liaison between uh, that district, that lodge, and the grandmaster. So speaking of the leadership positions, because I know you've served from the Grand South, I believe that was in 2017, yeah. um, and then to the Grand uh, West, as well as the Deputy Grand Master. Uh, and then this year, of course, you were the Most Worshipful Grand Master. Tell us what it means to you to be able to serve Texas Masonry at such a large capacity, because it's a very uh, inspirational and it's a high aspiration that some people would love to have. Well, um, you know, it goes back to my roots of... of um, growing up at Masonic Common School. You know, um, that, uh, that profound gift that this wonderful fraternity gave me uh, never lost my, was lost in my conscience. Um, I didn't know much about it, but I knew that there were these men out there that were responsible for my well-being. And as I grew older, I uh, just uh, felt uh, uh, a calling that I needed to be one of them to anyone that did that much good for that many children. Right. Uh, I wanted to be a part of that. And so at the age of 18, when I graduated, I s sought out masonry and found out that at that time I had to be 21. So <laughs> I thought I had to wait my time with patience, if you will, Right. Uh, until I was 21. And I turned in my petition and became a uh, a mason at the age of 21 mm -hmm. in Mesquite Lodge, number 928. Right. Uh, but uh, that started my journey into masonry. Uh, and, of course, none of this would have happened had it not been for my father. Yeah. You know, even though I, I didn't know the man because he died when I was three. Mm -hmm. So I have absolutely no memory of him, but he is the man that laid that cornerstone right. that built the temple, if you will, that took me into masonry. Uh, but uh, joining just wasn't enough over the years. You, you had to be patient and, and, and find your opportunities and ways to give back. But um, over the course of the years, I looked for different uh, ways to give my talents to the fraternity and whatever was willing to be received by the people above me. Uh, and then um, at some point I decided, well, you know, 
with with much thought ahead of time, I decided that I wanted to make myself available for the position of Grand Junior Warden, which that's the entry-level position in the Grand Lodge of Texas in elected uh, capacity. And so um, I traveled the state, far and wide, and um, talked to many people, but more than talking to them, I listened to them. And I like to use the expression of we have one of these and two of these. Right. We need to use them in proportion. Absolutely. And I, I listen to the membership more than I talk to them. Mm-hmm. And um, by that listening, it gave me the, I guess, insight that they had on what they expected their leader to be. And I've never uh, wavered from the thought that uh, I might be the leader of this fraternity, but I'm also the servant and that uh, I serve the membership of the state. It's a big honor, it's a big responsibility, but it's been, uh, uh, I guess, socially it's been the biggest, uh, uh, happiest part of my life, uh, uh, socially, uh, I could ever expect to achieve. So I want to tie back to uh, the pin I had put in charity. And uh, you told us a little bit just now about how you personally were able to contribute to the organization. And we talked a little bit about how the appendant bodies, the larger group, makes a contribution. Um, But I really want to ask you a little bit about um, contributions by lodges. So lodges are in communities, and those communities are affected by those lodges. If you could tell us maybe a story or a time that uh, you were participating in a lodge that was directly involved with the community. Well, um, th- there are many instances I could give you, but that uh, the where the lodge gives back to the community is through um, um, in, in different ways with different lodges. Uh, I know um, uh, in the lodge I was in, um, the thing that I remember that we did was we volunteered. Uh, back in the day, but we volunteered uh, to help uh, as volunteers in the emergency room hospital. Wow. Uh, not that we were doing yeah. medical services, <laughs> right, right. But, but we were there to uh, just run errands and, and, and uh, provide uh, moving people's cars, that kind of stuff. To help in whatever capacity. Whatever capacity the hospital wanted us to do. Wow. And uh, we did that. Uh, we do it with different teams of, of, of members, and sometimes our wives are good with this. But it it uh, it was an example of giving back to the community, and uh, they still do that. Uh, likewise, there just this past January, I uh, was in was in Dallas for a a function called Feed the Funnel. And I thought, what, what a unusual name is that? <laughs> I didn't really know what it meant. But, uh, uh, and I'll explain it here in a minute. But there we had people from all over the Dallas area. I don't remember the numbers now, but just sort of visually thinking about it, there were several hundred people there. And in a matter of like an hour and a half, we used this funnel that we, uh, that, that we, we the organization, uh, that the uh, Dallas uh, Masonic uh, District put together, uh, put these uh, meal kits together that where we would 
put the different mixtures of food through a funnel in proportion to bag these meals up mm. and seal them to, to give to people in need. And we, I believe the number, I might be wrong on this, but it seemed like the number was like 20,000 meals mm -hmm. in an hour and a half. They would debt many of them. Yeah, that reminds me of a, of a lodge that I attend, their Fantastic Teeth program. Yes. They take uh, over a dozen lodges together, they make an assembly line, and like you said, in an hour, hour and a half, mm -hmm. they assemble thousands of kids to give to kids in elementary schools. Toothpaste, toothbrushes, yeah. floss, and everything. On that same note, and, and if I remember correctly, you were in, in portion of leadership as well, the Take Time to Read program. Um, and I think that's something that's a very similar program. Tell us a little bit about how that affects the community and what the benevolence that does for the children. Take Time to Read is, um, is a um, tremendous program that, uh, um, that masonry is, is, a lot of people don't know, masonry legitimately claims credit for um, beginning the public school system in Texas mm -hmm. as a country. And uh, that's some of why the lodges are two-story at the time. The lodge would meet upstairs and the school would meet downstairs. And many times uh, paid for by the Masonic membership. That's the, the genesis uh, of the public school system in Texas. Um, and uh, but the fantastic, uh, uh, fantastic the, the Take Time to Read program was, a, I guess, a, uh, uh, a benefit of that uh, because masonry has always supported public schools and education. Um, and uh, um, so this Take Time to Read program, we go each year to the schools and, and deliver school supplies, reading incentives, uh, uh, having uh, score sheets, if you will, for the children uh, each, uh, each year to keep up with the number of minutes they read during the month of March. And uh, that, uh, then those that read the most are, are given um, some, I guess, rewards for, for their achievements. And uh, it, it, it provides uh, another opportunity where it, it stamps publicly that masonry is out and about supporting public schools, promoting education, and, and rewarding the children of our society for what they do well in public schools. Love that. And I think that's another big point. That kind of goes back to why we wanted to help start uh, our page called King Someone's Wisdom and its, and its podcast that goes with it, uh, is just letting the community know what we do, the benevolence that's therein. Uh, and also just to, to educate the community and to, to create excitement. And I think that's that's been a huge message that you've had to the Masons of Texas um, is to create excitement and, and that branding that goes around that. Um, because when you're when you're truly inspired and when you're excited about something, it leads to action. Um, so I, I know that's the kind of the, the shortened version of the message, but uh, for, for the viewers and for the way that you can explain it to the public, what would you tell us uh, kind of about that branding or that excitement around Masonry? Well, you know, uh... Uh, there, there's too many uh, stories I could tell you of where <laughs> masonry has uh, not been outward, if you will, uh, has been uh, inward in, in its uh, uh, activity, and 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 we're, I guess, humbled to step out into the public. Right. Um, I believe we need to do that proudly respectfully, 
that if you have a good man out doing a good deed or a collection of good men out doing good deeds, um, that's as it should be. And it's commendable for what they're doing. But if there's no, and we do not encourage or suggest that someone raise their hand as they look at me, look what I've done as a mason. Not that at all. But that if that man is not, I'm going to say branded some way, whether it be a pin or a ring or a cap or a shirt or some visible representation of what he represents and is of eternity, then it's a lost opportunity to connect the dots between the good deeds of that man and the, I would say, the uh, the association with the fraternity as being a part of that. That I believe respectfully the the fraternity should be recognized for what that good man did in in a in a polite, uh, discreet way. And uh, if that's done in good taste and without any boastfulness, right. then people will say, well, John Doe is a good man, and, and lo and behold, he's also a mason. Right. Uh, maybe masonry is something I need to look into. Mm-hmm. Or maybe masonry is something that does more for our society than I know they do. And I think that's also kind of goes back to a little bit of, you know, unveiling a little bit of what, um, you know, some people call it a secret society, which it it really isn't. It's a society that has some secrets, but most importantly, it's something that does a very big impact on the community. Um, And we don't want to keep that a secret. We want to be able to to praise the fraternity. We're not looking to give recognition to one particular person, as you're mentioning. It's more of the benefit of of the fraternity and the benefit of the community and all of its members and neighbors nearby. And to me, that's something that's really impressive, especially as a young Mason. Um, which, you know, is another reason we wanted to do that as well, is just for, for the Masonic awareness and education uh, of people that, you know, of, of all kinds of different generations can, can not only be exposed to it, because it's something that we have that, uh, at least in the, in the jurisdiction of Texas, some, some vary, um, that we, we don't do any type of recruiting, we don't go out to ask. Um, it's something that uh, to be one is to you know, ask one to be one type thing. And so uh, speak a little bit about that. I know you kind of told us beforehand about uh, uh, a very touching story about uh, a son that had that kind of a situation waiting to, to be asked. And as a Mason, we don't approach people to ask them to join the fraternity. Right. Well, uh, there was a, there was a, a man that, that worked with me for many years uh, in Austin. And uh, one day he, he noticed my Masonic ring. And he said, I didn't, I didn't know you were a Mason. I said, yes, sir, I am. And he says, my dad was a Mason. He says, uh, and as I was growing up, I wondered about him going to those lodge meetings. And, and, uh, and then as I got older, I kept... Uh, wondering why he wasn't asking me to go with him. Why wasn't he asking me to be a Mason? Mm -hmm. And um, I told him, I said, well, we don't ask people to be Masons. Uh, You have to ask us to become a member. Mm -hmm. And um, he cried. He was devastated. He says, well, my dad is no longer living. And he says, um, 
Had I known that, I could have asked him and I could have mm-hmm. fellowshiped with him for probably 20 years of his life, last part of his life. And that opportunity is gone. Right. He says, uh, that was just, it just devastated him. Mm-hmm. And then there are many stories of, of, uh, of that where, you know, we, we don't want to ask someone to, to join us because then we're recruiting like some mm-hmm. organizations. And then it's not being critical of that. That's just not us. Right. That the, the mantra of masonry is that, that by uh, your how you hold yourself out uh, should be the, if you will, the the attraction of someone to be. I want to be like you. Right. But they have to know you as a mason. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mark yourself some way, and some people are more uh, willing to do that than others. Right. Uh, some don't want to mark themselves because maybe they're reluctant that they can't give the right answers uh, or, or for other reasons. But then um, uh, there, there's several stories I can share with you that uh, where that branding works and it's worked for me many times. And, and I know there was a, a district deputy grand master that mentioned this to me in January that he'd been going to his bank for uh, several years, making deposits, going to the same teller, I don't remember the names, but uh, right. the, the the teller that he went to every every day, you know, he'd do his business on Fridays, and went on around to the next week, and then uh, he started wearing a Masonic cap, right. a cap, just a baseball cap with the Texas flag, uh, sort of like that pin there. Right. But um, he wore that in there one day, and his friend looked up at his hat, and said, uh, uh, Bob. I never knew you were a Mason. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, I just never know. Yeah. He says, now you know. <laughs> he says, how do I become one? He says, I'll get you a petition. Right. Because he had already known him. He already knew what kind of man mm-hmm. Bob was. Right. It wasn't a matter of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Once he knew Bob was a Mason, I want to be like Bob. Right. Yeah. And that's where the dots got connected. Like, and and to me, it's something that I do think it's very important that uh, living your life masonically, living by those values, you know, treating all people as equals on the level, um, and having having the masonic values when you when you exude those through your normal day to day life. When someone does discover that, and as you say, to mark yourself or to brand, you know, whether it be you know, a key fob, a hat, a license plate, whatever it might be. Between Masons, we know each other that, hey, that's also a Mason driving down the road. Um, but to the non-Mason, it can also help, or it, and it shows you know, people that are living their life in such a way that uh, you, you kind of want to model yourself after someone like that. And it's kind of the who's who of, of the history book. If you look through all the famous Masons throughout history, um, if you were to see a list of all of those kind of put together, you would just say, oh, those are historical people throughout, throughout the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them were Masons. Right. And, and that's really something that as a, as a young Mason and throughout all generations, being able to model yourself and aspire to be someone like that. I mean, you can probably also fill in there as well, but from George Washington to Benjamin Franklin, Mark Twain, Arnold Palmer. I mean, there's a lot. There's, a, there's hundreds and hundreds you could go through in a list. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. That's something where when people start seeing not only the historical side, but the modern day side, when you're in between passing, and it may not be a famous mason, it may just be someone like you're saying, the bank teller. I, I think there was it was the Grand Master of New York, if I remember correctly. It was probably some years ago, and you'll probably say it better than I would. But that the 
the, great, the greatest generation never spoke about the launch, the next generation never heard about it, and the millennials don't know where to find one. And, and it's surprising to me because, uh, of course, as Masons, we have resources that we can go in there and find, you know, where our lodge is at um, through different books. There's different electronic versions. We can also contact Grand Lodge to see which lodges are recognized. Um, and they're nearly in every major city you could think of, you know. Right. And, it, and to some people, it, like, they would never, if you went to ask a non-Mason that's never heard of the fraternity, have you ever driven by one or could you tell me where one's at? Most of them have no idea where they're even at. We were, in fact, in... Um... I forget the name. I think it was in the. I don't know if this is the case, but I think it was maybe even Cleveland, mm -hmm. Texas, somewhere over in that area. We were going to a lodge for a, a grandmaster uh, visit last year, and we stopped and asked uh, the local policeman, "Where's the Masonic lodge here in town?" Mm. I don't know. <laughs> this is not like Dallas, Texas. This right. is like Coalville, yeah. Texas. Right. And he didn't know where I was at. Oh, goodness. So I did want to ask you a little bit. Um, people live their life like Masons. People live benevolently. Um, and people love to do charity. But let's say I'm a benevol benevolent, charitable man, and I'm not a Mason. What would entice me, or why would I even be, you know, consider Freemasonry as something that I should join? Mm -hmm. Well, um, uh, I guess the best way I can answer that is... Um, the northern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite fraternity uh, uh, did a survey about three years ago, and uh, they in, uh, they uh, surveyed several thousand people, uh, Mason, uh, not Mason, men that were not Masons, and and asked them what they might be interested in, and what kind of organization would they be interested in joining, and. Uh, I'm really summarizing this, but uh, the, the, the takeaway I received from that survey that they did is I believe it's 72% of all the respondents said that I'm interested in joining an organization that provides fellowship and benevolence. Mm. That um, we can all do benevolent acts by, our, by ourselves, but, you know, uh, it gets back to you only as good as the company you keep. If you're uh, doing benevolent acts with others, uh, you're 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 helping each other. You're fellowshipping with them. You're you're getting to know them and 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 doing things together. You know, there, there's togetherness is what masonry offers as well. It's friends as well as uh, uh, doing common things together that you both care about. So would you say Freemasonry is for just about anybody? Absolutely. There's, uh, regardless of your interest, uh, the requirements, I guess you would say, are only that you uh, ask of your own free will and accord, that we're not hustling you to join. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and that you believe in a supreme being. You cannot be an atheist. That's the one thing that we uh, will not uh, accept is someone that's not a, a believer. But beyond that, our arms are as wide open as they can be. You know, whether you're a, a Christian, a Catholic, a, a Jew, a Muslim, whatever, it does not matter to us as long as uh, you believe in, in deity. Mm -hmm. I would like to 
if I could share uh, another one of those stories with you, because Absolutely. I think it's very important about the branding. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that is um, back in February, I was at the airport in Houston, and I was looking for my phone was about dead. It was down to like one or two percent, and I was looking for somewhere to plug this charging cord into because I was about to be out of business. Mm. And uh, walking around, and and this young man was, we were waiting for the plane, and, and it had been there a while, and, and he was just sort of laying down on the floor because there were no seats. Mm -hmm. And uh, he saw that I was looking for a place to charge his phone. And he looked up at me, and he says, you can, you can plug your phone into my laptop computer uh, and charge it that way. Mm -hmm. And I thought for a moment, I thought, well, you know, should I do that? Mm -hmm. I don't know this man. Uh, of course, I, I had on a Masonic shirt. Okay. okay? I had branded myself. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, that didn't register with me with what he was doing. But um, after he uh, offered that, I finally said, well, you know, it's either that or I'm out of business. <laughs> so I plugged it in and, and uh, started talking to him and, and said, you know, young man, he said, that's, that's very kind of you to do that to uh, a stranger. Mm. And he says, you're not a stranger. He says, you're a brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he did that. I didn't know he was a Mason mm. because he wasn't branded. Right. But he knew I was. And he saw me in distress. Mm -hmm. And he came to my relief. But I would never have known he was a mason, had he not said, that's what we do for brothers. Wow. And so we developed a, a friendship right there on the spot. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, that uh, I still would have thought highly of him because of what he did. Right. But he just sort of stepped it up a notch because he, uh, uh, he also did it because he saw a brother in distress. You got a story, Rock, of whenever you personally felt the, the benevolence of Freemasonry? And there's there's a lot of different examples. One that one that comes to mind is, and it's kind of a similar story where, uh, you know, whether you're in a, your hometown or whether you're traveling, right, um, Masonry is worldwide. It's it's in many, many major cities and in a majority of countries around the world. It's not just a U.S. fraternity. Um, but as, as I was traveling through, you know, a different state at the time, it was actually over in California, um, I was curious and I wanted to kind of to look around and I went to one of the lodges and you know as, as a mason you're able to visit and you're able to go to the lodges in either other states or even other countries and I happened to stop by at one of them and they uh, actually were having a stated meeting that night uh, so I actually got to enter and uh, I you know recognized myself as a mason and showed them you know not only from knowledge and some of the things that, uh, that where I came from in Texas and my history and what I've done and they welcomed me in like family I mean it was like I've known them my whole life. Mm -hmm. Never, never spoke to them a day in my life. Never, never talked to them ahead of time. Didn't know their names. Walked in and they treated me like I was family. And so that's something to me that's also just special knowing that, you know, whether it's down the street, another city, another state, or even if you're visiting, let's say you want to go to England or wherever it might be, Australia, um, many, many cities around the world, many, many countries around the world. It gives you a, uh, it's like a place of home. A sense of at home. Yeah. yeah. And so 
No, it reminds me of a story I definitely wanted to share my two cents. Yeah. Uh, when I was in D.C. as a foreign mm. penniless intern, yeah. <laughs> um, every now and then I would uh, decide that I wanted to go visit a lodge and go yeah. see a stated meeting and, and visit something new. Mm-hmm. And just about every time I went, the brethren would ask me, uh, how far did you come from? And I would tell them, oh, I spent you know, 30, 40 minutes on the rail. I said, no, we're driving you home. And you're taking the leftovers too. <laughs> and so it warms my heart that people yeah. that I've never met before, I have no right. idea who they are. And they're treating me like I'm their family, like I'm their best friend. Yeah, yeah. So no, thank you guys for sharing that. Absolutely. I guess so let me kind of turn it back to you then. So what are some of the things in the community that you might have seen that a Mason, that uh, whether it's one of the more honorable things or something that was selfless or in some way that was giving uh, either to a, to a person or to the community in such a way that, uh, that left a remarkable impression on your mind? It, um, it, it mostly it, it, what comes to mind right off the bat would be um, the the helping of the children in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That um, you know, I remember the story of uh, there's this one young young lady that was a patient. It's not directly answering your question, but it right. sort yeah. of is. Um, she had we we had a patient of the month that bring in the doctors would brief us on what happened to them before and their progress and they brought them in towards the end whenever they were finished with their, their medical services and and uh, this young lady come in before she came in they gave us a, a video presentation of what she looked like when she was younger and what all they'd done to help her surgically and so forth and uh, she had uh, she came from I believe it was Guatemala mm-hmm. and she had a severe case of cleft lip and cleft palate, and she just looked uh, very um, um, scary, I guess is maybe the right word. And down there, she was shunned by society mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, brought her up there. And and through the surgery, um, she was really brought back to complete uh, fulfillment as visibly as well as physically. Wow. And and she came in to uh, talk to us, and she had the biggest smile in the world, and and uh, she had learned some English when she had been there. She'd been in the hospital for quite some time, oh. and uh, they, uh, the the uh, therapist that had worked with her said, "Well, do you want to tell these Shriners um, what um, you have any words to say for them?" She says, "Well, she says, first I want to thank y'all for giving them my life back." saving my life but also uh and someone i think from one of the other board members asked her well what are you going to do when you get home she says well, when i get home next week i'm going to the prom wow yeah <laughs> that's awesome so that uh is is uh, just uh, an example of where collectively maybe mm-hmm. masons and uh, gave back profoundly to that society that's incredible I think you touched on something really important that maybe not many people think about when they think of Freemasonry. Uh, we think that you know men are Freemasons and they help their community, women and children. But I mean, Freemasonry really is a, a whole family event. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have organizations for everybody. So if you could talk a little bit more about you know that Freemasonry really is about the whole family. Yes, it is. Um, we have um, we have a. Um... Uh, in Arlington, Texas, we have a uh, retirement center that that both uh, 
aged masons as well as their their widows are um, afforded the opportunity to go there and and live their final years. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, regardless of their ability to pay, you know, that that uh, they uh, if they're uh, uh, if they're poor and penniless, they go in there just like the the orphanage I went into. They can uh, get in there and live and and have a um, uh, a really good uh, last years of their life not having to worry about where they're going to get their meal or being cured medically for. Amazing. Speaking of, of cost or, you know, financial obligation, going back to the Shriners Hospital and the, the Scottish Rite Hospital, talk, talk a little bit because that's behind the scenes where that's not something that we talk about. It's not something that we broadcast. Um, but for, for the children that are in need, what, how does that work with the family? Well, um, over the years, uh, it used to be regardless of anything, that um, um, we didn't even take insurance or, or whatever, whether it be Scottish Rite or Shrine. Now, we, if a family does have insurance, we will take that insurance. But it, say it had a 10% uh, or say a $1,000 deductible or whatever, mm -hmm. the family is not uh, uh, even asked to pay that difference. Mm -hmm. The only thing we take is whatever the insurance would pay mm -hmm. and, and, and nothing more. Mm -hmm. So still, the family is out nothing for what we do for them, and that's that's something that's an incredible part, not only for the community but for the families and what that means. Because some of these children and the families themselves might not be able to go through those types of treatment uh, without without the benevolence of the Shriners and the Scottish Rite members that are because they're the ones that are funding that. Is that right? Right, and it's um, also the, all of these hospitals, and they're all around the United States. Uh, uh, they're, they provide world-class service. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember the, the volcanoes that, that I believe uh, it was Guatemala mm -hmm. that uh, erupted and uh, uh, many people died from that, but some children got severely burned in that. And the doctors from the Shriners Hospital in Galveston, with the help of the federal government, flew down there and picked up those kids and brought them back to Galveston and saved their lives. Wow. no call. Wow. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. And the, and it shows the the reach. You know, that's not something that they're doing just for their city. That's that's a you know, it's a worldwide reach. Um, and it's something I go back to with uh, the family side and that we do keep involved, whether it's the children uh, that are in need or if it's also the, the family of children here or uh, the wives or widows or family in general. It is something that's a very important uh, value to us that we do have the family involved. So my question would be, you know, what other parts of masonry have women that would be not only involved, you know, let's say out in the, the dining room, things like that, but they can actually be engaged yeah. um, from Eastern Star to Amrath or some of the other uh, that you might be able to speak to. What are what are some of those ways that we can also continue the involvement and the engagement to get people excited about the the different appendant bodies of masonry? Okay. Before I, I want to add something to the the uh, family, you know, part of the obligation of masonry, which we take that obligation with our hand on the sacred book, right? Okay. And part of that obligation is that we will uh, take care of our widows and orphans. 
And I've just earlier explained how we do that. And I'm a, I'm a poster child for helping, helping our orphans. Uh, so uh, that's an obligation that we take, Absolutely. and we take it strongly. Absolutely. And people that aren't a member of our fraternity might not know that. Uh, but uh, uh, your question about the how these other appendant bodies, how they get engaged, well, of course, first off, that we have uh, the, the Eastern Star. That's a co-ed, um, if you will, appendant body of masonry. Eastern Star does... Uh, uh, many different uh, programs for society as well. There's, uh, we mentioned the Scottish Rite, uh, the York Rite, there's, there's the uh, chapter in council and commandery. Well, um, uh, the, uh, the Royal Arch Masons are the ones that own and operate the retirement center in Arlington. Mm. So that's sort of their piece of the puzzle of benevolence. Right. And uh, the commander, a nice Templar, one of the many things they do is they have um, uh, an eye bank that they uh, provide, uh, uh, ultimately end up helping provide a gift of sight to people. Yeah. So um, um, the, um, uh, but there's uh, every single body of masonry and dependent bodies all have benevolence as a thread that runs through them, and much and most of that benevolence is helping children. Mm -hmm. So I think that also kind of reaches because we've talked about, of course, the Masons, their families. You know, going one the more community. layer out the community, uh, the people that are in the community that might be interested. Um, how 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 does someone even receive more information? Or how do they educate themselves? What should they do? You know, as someone that might be interested, because I'm sure as there could be some of our viewers that watch this that are not Masons, and they're and they're interested. What what would what advice would you give them? Well, um, several different ways. I would ask them to to, to seek us out, <laughs> and they seek us out in, in in different ways. But they might know where there's a Masonic lodge uh, in their neighborhood in their city. Um, Every Masonic Lodge posts the, the the contact information on the door as well as the, the the nights they meet and the times they meet. So you're more than welcome to come up and 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 just poke your head in the door that night right. to uh, say I'd like to I'd like to visit, see uh, get to know you guys, see what y'all are all about. So that's one way. You can also find us on most lodges have. Um, a Facebook page, or right. you can find them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but um, uh, that's those are the two places, two ways I would suggest off the top of my head to to seek us out. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll you'll find us uh, in your community and in, in many places like this 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 town we're in here. Uh, there's there's four lodges in this town. Right. Uh, people just uh, in the different neighborhoods know where they're at. Mm -hmm. Some sense. They don't have to have an invitation. Right. Right. And I, I think that's kind of the, the main point, and, and you can probably speak more on that as well, but, you know, a lot of people have a, almost a misconception or a misrepresentation in their mind that, that they, they have to be invited. Exactly. And a lot of people are waiting to be invited, whether it's, you know, from someone like you mentioned before, whether it's their father or just in general, they think that a friend would, you know, one day just magically walk up and say, hey, <laughs> we want you, you know, and we... Not only do we not do that, we're in many, many states. It's actually strictly advised to not do that, to approach one, someone to ask. 
And I think that's also what makes uh, something that, as a as a clearing up the air from you know from a misconception standpoint, um, making sure that you ask if you're interested, right? If it's someone that that you know that's a mason, or if you see them being branded, or like you say to to mark whether it's a ring or a hat or whatever it might be. Um, those are the people that have not only the, the knowledge or the light uh, that could answer those questions, but those are the people that you can approach and, and feel free to approach them, right? I think it might sound a little silly saying this, especially after all we've talked about, but I, I did want to ask this question directly. Um, we talk about all the great things that masonry does for the world, and a lot of people not in Freemasonry might talk about all the things that are missing from the world. Um, why does the world need more Freemasonry? Why does the world need more Freemasonry? Because Masonry, um, we we actually um, through the the organization which we are, we we end up creating leaders within our fraternity, mm-hmm. and leaders within our fraternity sometimes end up becoming leaders in society. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, Again, when you walk through that door, you might you might be the city manager, or the mayor, or whatever a particular town, but um, when you walk in that door, you're you're on the level, you know. Right. Uh, but um, through the network of people you get to know there, uh, we're all about helping each other uh, in, in whatever ways that we can. But uh, why the world needs uh, more masonry is because. Um, we we have no uh, agenda other than than um, leaving society better than we found it and and um, fellowship with other men. Wow! And and uh, that fellowship with good men is what our country needs because it, I, I told people that uh, um, weren't. Uh, active anymore. I said, well, you know, you aren't coming to our meetings anymore. Why not? And, and, and I said, where are you going that you're getting something better mm-hmm. than you get from us? I want to know about it because I want to come. Right. And uh, I heard crickets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guy started coming back. <laughs> no, I, I love that answer. I really do. Um, as a as a young mason, being in a lodge and knowing that I'm of the youngest people in that whole lodge, I have a lot to learn. Mm. And so it was huge when my lodge elected me as secretary because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but luckily, I had lots of wonderful brethren there to, to walk me along the way. And it, it wasn't so much just that I could serve my lodge, but the skills that I was gaining as secretary of the lodge, I was able to use them in my own personal life. So I think um, not only is the Lodge a great place for us to give, but I think the Lodge can teach us a whole lot about ourselves that we didn't even know we needed to know. Right. right. Yeah, it's an excellent point because it, it does make you into a leader in, in many aspects, right? Mm-hmm. It teaches you the Masonic values. It teaches you, you know, how to live the, the righteous life. How to be a um, part of a community. How to be a part of the community. And it does create, you know, that leader. It takes that leader from within and it, it sharpens that tool. And I think that's something that that also inspired me, you know, whether it you know was friends around or family that might have been in before. Um, but, you know, how do, how do you make yourself the, the best potential version of yourself that you can be? And Mason really, really does. It, it develops that skill from within. Um, and I think that's kind of what I want to transition transition into next would be, 
Um, you know, what what have you learned? What values have you taken away? Whether it's you know back from the Masonic Home and School or just going through the line of leadership, what uh, what message would you give to echo to Masons and non-Masons alike uh, for values and moral purposes? It has. Uh, I have lived benevolence, not again back from where I was the recipient of it, but uh, that that instilled in me the desire that that how 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 incredibly uh, impactful that was in my life. Mm-hmm. I saw how it helped me. Mm-hmm. It literally did save my life, and that. Given an opportunity to be a part of masonry allows me to pay it forward mm. and pay it forward in, in every possible way I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now I'm paying it forward by serving the position I'm in because uh, I, I offered my, my skills to the fraternity and um, uh, experience that I had in, in management from not only from a lodge but through my career. Mm-hmm. And the uh, fraternity saw fit to to give me this position, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's given me the platform to uh, pursue and continue the the marketing and branding of our fraternity, and also the promoting of benevolence. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, benevolence is is so uh, sincere and, and heartwarming. And um, were it not for benevolence, um, uh, our fraternity would not be what it is. Mm -hmm. I like that. So I I think that uh, for the the people that are watching, I want to ask before we kind of wrap up, there's one other question I do want to ask. You know, what would be something that you yourself personally went through, what what was either maybe heart touching or something that that really shook, shook you to the core? Uh, that's something either that happened to you or maybe that you did for someone else that made you feel good or something that maybe that you had witnessed. Um, it maybe it doesn't even have to be a Mason, but someone that was, you know, that was living those Masonic values. Did you ask that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, just in, in, in a, uh, in a day-to-day life, the Masonic values, what's something that, uh, whether it was something that gave you an inspiration or someone that you looked up to, maybe it was uh, as a Masonic figure that you learned after, uh, or someone that was living those Masonic values that really, that hit home for you, that, that struck you to the core, that, uh, that not only may either, either made you proud to be a Mason or that made you want to become a Mason. Well, I go back to my father, you yeah. know, um, uh, it, it, he, um, you know, I'm the youngest of 13 kids. Wow. Same parents. And of course, being the youngest of my age now, many of those are no longer living, uh, as well as my parents. But the, um, I'm going to say the wisdom that my father must have had to, um, become a mason he could not read or write he was um, uh, a day laborer type of guy just did what he could to get by but when he walked in and i wasn't around when he did but he when he walked through that door he was on the level with the guys that were doctors and lawyers and presidents of the bank and so forth mm-hmm. and uh but he saw the um the the benevolence of of masonry, and he wanted to be a part of it. 
Little, little did he know that uh, most of his kids were grown before he passed away. But there were three of the 13 that were still at home. And um, so uh, how he uh, made such a profound impact on my life is he, he provided that path for me. Right. My life was not really much different than many other people's lives in that day and time in the, in the 50s. But uh, the difference was uh, I had the safety net of masonry that everybody else, not everybody else, but <laughs> most other people might not have had right. in that same situation. So I, f I don't feel bad. I feel blessed and, and privileged that he left me that path to... Um, People to go to Sonic Home School. So he's the he's my hero. He's my mentor. Even though I never had a conversation with him, he's the man that had uh, the the cornerstone of of why I am who I am today. That's incredible. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's like you're saying, it's the cornerstone. Almost like he gave you the moral compass and showed the pathway and kind of where that the light takes that pathway and and laid the laid the way for you. And I think that's incredible. Um, so I wanted to thank everybody also for, for tuning in for King Solomon's Wisdom. Uh, stay tuned, of course, for the second part. But what we wanted to do, of course, is to help educate about the fraternity, to, to show the different parts of what we do uh, you know, in the public and the, the benevolence that we have. Uh, not only to spread awareness and you know, to, you know, to create excitement, but most importantly, to, to educate the community. Yep. So we want to thank you so much, Most Worshipful, for, for joining us. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you in the second part. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning back in to King Solomon's Wisdom Podcast. This is the second section of the, uh, the Grand Master, the Most Worshipful Grand Master of all Masons in Texas from the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas, uh, Paul D. Underwood. So we're going to go ahead and get started with this one. Um, what are some of the most significant factors that you see kind of affecting whether it's lodge engagement or getting people excited ab about masonry? Mark that as we market our fraternity, it both excites our membership as well as the non-Mason because it tells the, the, connects the dots between who we are as a man and who we are as a Mason. So that's uh, marketing does and branding. Something else for masonry. So this is a fraternity that's been going uh, since time immemorial. Um, tell us a little bit of kind of this, the original kind of the start date for masonry, and do you see these times as any different uh, from times in the past? I don't. I think the only thing that has changed from time immemorial to today is technology. And, and of course, different liberties that man has achieved from the beginning of time to now. But... Um, the principles of masonry, I think, were uh, evident when masonry was first begun, and and I believe that um, where we've changed is through technology and innovation in in society. Hmm. So uh, masons were always at the forefront of technology, but uh, how about today? <laughs> how can we involve masons in technology? Uh, like we haven't before? Well, we have um, uh, a, a program that, that was developed um, 
released in, in February this year that was created by uh, a partnership of the Scottish Rite of Northern and Southern jurisdictions combined with the uh, Shriners International. Uh, they realized, uh, rightfully so, that, of course, their membership comes from masonry. And for them to have a bigger population of people to consider being a part of that independent body, they needed to do what they could to help prosper masonry, Blue Lodge masonry, by making it more uh, aware to the non-Mason. And so they created a program that they released in February. It's called BeAFreemasonNow.org. And I would suggest that you uh, take a look at that. It is an outstanding product. And um, uh, Blue Lodges across the country, across the world, will be the beneficiaries as well as the, the Scottish Rite and the Shrine. But it's a partnership of all three of us to um, basically spread the word of what we do, what we are, and what we have to offer today uh, to someone that's seeking more light about what we're about. So we, we talk a lot about to the non-Mason. We've, we've directed a lot of this to somebody who's not aware. Mm -hmm. um, we talk a lot about charity. We've talked a lot about benevolence. And a lot of people who are going to be listening to this are Masons and have heard a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Um, maybe some words of wisdom to the individual Mason who goes, yeah, I'm charitable. Yeah, I'm benevolent. Yeah, I help my lodge. What else doesn't he know? If, if all we do in our lodges is open our lodge, read our minutes from the prior meeting, pay our bills, and go home, we're not providing any reason for that brother to come back to lodge next time. What we need to contemplate, and, and I would suggest that lodges ask this question at the end of a lodge, what did you, what was the benefit of this meeting to you? In other words, what, mm. that if, that if um, what would you tell your brother that didn't come tonight, what did he miss? Yeah. If you can't tell him, my brother, you missed a great meeting tonight because of X, Y, and Z, that it was more than what I just explained. That's how you're going to excite them, and they'll look forward to coming to the next meeting, because I'll be there, <laughs> yeah. because you've, you've uh, piqued my interest in what I missed, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be looking to see what's, what's there for next time. So we have an obligation to provide more than the, the necessary business aspects of our meetings, we have to provide some education and um, uh, I say tasteful entertainment. It could be anything, someone coming in and talking about their profession, outsider, that uh, provides information about whatever it might be, uh, a car salesman, a, a tax preparer, a, um, a doctor, just, just talking about 
their vocation and how people can, can ask questions and learn a little bit about that. Not that that consumes the whole lodge meeting, but that it's some uh, information that people go, wow, that was entertaining. That was informational. Mm -hmm. I like that. Talking about doing wills. Having an attorney as a member talk about uh, the, just some things you need to think about in doing a will and, and, and the risks of not doing one. That kind of information. From some of the lodges that you maybe either visited or that you might have heard of, what are some activities, whether it's uh, some type of activity in the lodge or maybe some type of uh, activity outside the lodge that helps bring the brethren together? Again, it gets back to uh, the, the charitable things, whether it, whether it be something as, as simple, I say simple, like the Fantastic Teeth program that, that gr draws multiple lodges together to, to package those things together to take to the public schools and the community. That fellowship and uh, just camaraderie that takes place during that activity um, is talked about for weeks to come. And that's one example. The other thing is just uh, the, the reach out to uh, many lodges do uh, fundraisers and, and, and raise funds and, and create uh, uh, say, for example, meal, tick, meal, meal packages to take to, to families in their community that, that are in need. Uh, sort of a unique thing that I, I say unique, thing that um, I saw one lodge that did is they have um, a haunted house at hmm. their lodge. That's cool. uh, and, and where they have uh, shrine clowns there that, that, that entertain the kids, uh, balloons and stuff like that. And uh, they, uh, I know that lodge, uh, it was a small community lodge. I believe it might be Buna Lodge, B-U-N-A. But uh, nevertheless, they um, uh, said that they had uh, over 200 people pass through their lodge in open house because of, uh, not open house, but during, they did their open house on Halloween. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, not gotten the doors. I love that. And speaking of brotherhood and membership, and um, I know we mentioned Eastern Star and uh, the chapter council, things like that, other parts of masonry that are appendant bodies. Uh, speaking of appendant bodies, I know that you're involved in a, in a wide variety of appendant bodies, um, you know, from AMD to the Masonic Knights of the Scarlet Cord, uh, the Order of Scotland, National Sojourner, some of these other ones that maybe not all Blue Lodge members have heard of. So this maybe question is more for the Blue Lodge members. Tell us a little bit about what created the, ex the excitement in you and what made you want to join some of those appendant bodies. Well, first off, um, uh, I am a joiner. And what I mean by that is, is uh, you know, the good Lord has, has blessed me with not unlimited resources, but but with resources to be able to contribute to these other different functions that go on. And I hear people that say that, well, you know, uh, you, know you, can't ask, you can ask a Mason, why aren't you a Shriner? Mm -hmm. Or why aren't you a Yorkite? There's nothing wrong with that because you're already a part of the base foundational family. But uh, the answer you get back sometimes is, well, I don't have time. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, my answer back to them is you might not have time right now, but if you can help contribute to the support of that organization, that appendant body, until such time as you can get involved, you will be helping that organization 
and you'll also be um, enriching your life because you're, you're providing what help you can provide today for such time that you can provide your, your time and talents. So um, that's, that's why I'm a member of so many of them. I, I don't have the, obviously I don't have the, the participation activity in all of them as much as I am in Grand Lodge in the past few years. But I do uh, in the past and, and will in the future spend time in each of those dependent bodies to the best of my ability and best of my, my time available. I do want to touch on that um, because once you become a master mason, now you're open to all these dependent bodies. But when is the right time to join? Should I join right as I become a master mason? Should I wait, you know, after I'm a past master? Um, to the people who are going through their journey, when's the right time? That's a personal, a person, a person would answer that personally for themselves. But I would say this, you know, I've I've heard the the uh, criticism, if you will, that will, um, and I'll use Shriners as an example, that the Shriners steal our members, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard that many times. And what I've said to people that said that, I said, well, if you're creating a program in your lodge to where you've captured their attention and interest, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. If, they, if you do, in fact, lose, not a member, because you have to be a member to be a Shriner, right? In the first place. But if you, if you lose their attendance because they join the Shrine, I'm just using that as an example. It's because the Shrine in that hypothetical situation is offering them something that interests them more than the activities that are going on in your lives. And so to me, the answer to that is, is not complaining about the shrine folks stealing your members, but what can I do to enliven the activities in my lives to where people will want to do both? And I do both. Uh, and uh, so uh, I just think that uh, it's it's a um, not a truly a fair criticism to to uh, complain about another appendant body. Uh, taking someone away from Blue Lodge. And if you, it's like protecting your kids from the public by teaching them homeschool. I'm not against homeschool. But if you're teaching them homeschool to protect them from the world, sooner or later they got to get out there. Mm -hmm. right, right. right. Maybe that's a poor analogy, but uh, uh, nevertheless. No, I think that's an excellent point. And that's really, it kind of leads into to an, another point there. What, what, what would you say at fraternity as a whole, Freemasonry, Blue Lodge, Scottish Rite, York Rite, all the different dependent bodies. What makes Freemasonry unique or distinctive from some of the other social orders that exist, uh, whether it be, uh, whether you want to name a couple or if you want to keep that kind of broad, but say like, say Rotary Club, things like that, which are incredible organizations as well. Um, what would you say is something that uh, if someone's maybe interested in one or either, what would you say that makes Freemasonry unique or distinct? Well, maybe not unique or more distinct than unique, but um, is that you have to ask to join. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, the other organizations, um, I believe, have the prerogative to solicit members. We want you to be one of us because of what you see in us. 
and uh, that you want to be a part of that goodness and uh, contribution to mankind. But uh, um, there's uh, many organizations like that that are civic organizations that that help society in in, in their own way. And uh, many of us are members of that as well. So it's not necessarily an either or. In fact, you can you can be a member of them as well, and it's not going to, it's not going to exclude you from being a mason. So um, we um, we do. Uh, in fact, many of our members are uh, members of these other civic uh, social organizations. In the historical version of, uh, of Freemasonry, uh, whether it be some of the famous masons that were involved. Uh, whether it be uh, different parts of masonry, what do you see that attracts people to want to join? Um, of the variety of different reasons people may join, what, what do you see as some of the common reasons or what would you tell a non-mason that uh, the fraternity has to offer? Back in the day, if you will, uh, why people were attracted to join, I believe, was because the leaders of their uh, community, their state, their, their country, were Masons, and they were uh, uh, visible as such. And I think somewhere along the way, that visibility has 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 diminished, and uh, we need to work towards uh, rekindling that visibility in a, in a respectful way. Because today, there are many uh, leaders in our community that... Um, are, um, are Masons and, and Shriners and York Rite and Scottish Rite uh, members and leaders of those uh, pennant bodies that uh, people don't know that. So to those leaders, both the leaders in our governments and our societies and our world and our communities and the leaders in Freemasonry, um, Willis, they give back to us. Well, what words of wisdom would you give for them to give, uh, how do I say, for them to give more, right? I mean, obviously, we don't want to steal their lives away, but for somebody who's already giving and feels like, can I give any more? Um, what would you say to them? Well, something that I have uh, worked on this year to put together is to bring the local leaders of this community here where we stand together. And, and there are several uh, members uh, uh, the outgoing sheriff and and uh, outgoing um, um, county judge and, and and several past mayors and outgoing because they retired they they served their community for many many years and just it was um, uh, their choice to uh, to retire but those people get those people together as well as business leaders in town that everybody knows them in the community as movers and shakers. And I want to get those people together and put together uh, a video that the community, community can see and have them talk about what masonry has meant to them in their life and uh, what they've done within masonry during the years that they've been a member. And I know something uh, for, for the family side of things is also it's very important that the family is not only involved, but the family does also support, you know, not only the Freemason through his journey joining, but as you, you know, go through the ranks of leadership, whether it be at the local lodge level or even at the state lodge level, 
um, you probably of all people know, and of course, uh, your, your amazing wife and the family that's around you, how important that it is to have not only family involvement, but the family to support the journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of through that journey and your travels and things like that, uh, uh, how your wife has helped support and, and to, to play a big part and help you in masonry. Well, uh, my wife uh, and I have been married, uh, next year will be 50 years. Um, we um, were married when we were 19 years old. Um, and uh, so she claims that uh, when she married me, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, she's been basically involved in masonry <laughs> since I've been 21. So for 48 of those 50 years, she's been a, a Masonic wife. And she has been so supportive of that. Uh, she's been uh, with me to lodge meetings where we uh, have uh, social gatherings before lodge and she meets with the other uh, lodge member wives during those uh, meetings. And then they create bonds that last a lifetime uh, due to that fellowship before and after lodge. And the other community events that the lodges do that they do together with their wives. So the wives doesn't just sit home and wait for you to get back. Uh, most of them today are engaged in, in most everything that masonry does, especially the benevolence and the uh, uh, fundraising and, and uh, the social uh, um, um, participation in the community. Could you, could you actually dive in a little bit more into that? Um, as far as what kind of events, what kind of programs, um, that lodges can hold for their members to bring their whole family. I know a couple of lodges out there, you see lots of men, but at the dinner, you know, where are the wives and where are the children? So for the lodges that could use a little bit more family attendance, what could they do to maybe foster that attendance? Well, the first thing they need to do is want to do that. Okay. But, uh, and I don't say that in a critical way, but some, I'll give you a specific example. Uh, I am uh, uh, past master of Johnson City 561 in Johnson City, Texas. And something we do there every year is during the um, um, holiday season, there's uh, uh, like a little carnival there. And uh, we um, uh, do... Um, uh, turkey legs and so forth there. And, mm -hmm. and other lodges do similar type things, but, but the wives are involved with that uh, shoulder to shoulder and, and uh, meeting the community. And, 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 and uh, um, I know there's one lodge uh, uh, out in the Abilene area that, that gives away uh, free chicken legs. <laughs> Um, and uh, in, on the town square in, in a particular uh, weekend that, that there's a lot of people there on the square. Oh, wow. But, uh, and, and they do that just, uh, just as sort of a, a token give back to the community, but the people of the community look forward to that every year. And it's, it's a big event in that little town. Uh, so it, it's not all about raising funds. It's, it's uh, having some fun, wholesome fun, uh, with your wife and, and your kids as well, uh, can participate in this. 
it's it's uh, it's limited only by your uh, uh, imagination, what you can do. Uh, it doesn't have to be a fundraiser. It can be something you do to help your community. There's other lodges that 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 adopt a particular section of the highways, the state highways, mm -hmm. clean up, and they clean up that that section of highway. And and that's not just the members. That's the members, their wives, their kids, their friends, and so forth. That Anybody that wants to come and participate, then usually they'll have some breakfast and lunch afterwards to do that. So it's, a, it's, it's more than just helping the community. It's also bonding your, your families together uh, and creating and, and, and reinforcing those friendships as well as your friends that come. Some of them decide, well, hey, I might, might want to be one of these guys as well. Um, and... Uh, so um, that's, uh, yeah, no, that's how lodges can be more engaged with not just themselves, but with their families. Right. And you actually touched up on a question that I was right about to ask you. Um, members might be engaged in their lodge, but lodges not all the time are engaged in their district with other lodges. But I think you touched up on community events and being able to hold events that are not just for the lodge and not just for fundraising, but rather for fun and for community. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that you can't have a, a dance or, 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 or any type of, or, a, you know, um, a, a, a domino event. Or, or a night dinner. out or a movie yeah. night. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's just uh, uh, you have to decide we want to do this. It is a way to bring our membership together, bring our families together, and uh, get to know each other outside of this tiled room. Right. Hmm. That, that's the value add that some lodges, many lodges offer that we may not know about. Right. For lodges that are also looking to not only strengthen their lodge of between the members, but uh, to, for a growing lodge, what would you say would, would involving the family and having them around and having a activities in and outside the lodge, do you think that helps the growth and promotes uh, the growth of the lodge? Absolutely it does, because uh, uh, I'll give you an example of, of another lodge here in town, uh, and it's uh, uh, Sunset Lodge, and I'm a member of that lodge as well. Um, that lodge, um, I was uh, over there one night, and that lodge does a, they do an incredible job of the ladies um, pride themselves in creating like a gourmet meal for the people that come to lodge. And those ladies are, are many, I'd say probably active members are 10 or 12 at least that show up regularly. But um, um, I was in that lodge one night and standing in line waiting to, to pay my contribution and, and, and eat. And there was a couple in line ahead of me. Uh, the guy's a, a past master of, of another lodge here in town, but they were over visiting that lodge. And uh, the, 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 um, somebody asked the, um, um, the brother uh, um, when he was going to join Sunset Lodge. And he says, well, I'm... Uh, I don't know. And the wife popped up and said, I've already joined it. 
and he can come as my guest or he can join at a later time. And he answered back, he says, well, then I guess that settles it. I'm, I'm going to be turning my petition. <laughs> uh, she was so engaged with, because they'd visited there several times, and she was engaged with working with the ladies that did the meals and developed a, a big friendship. And, and frequently we'd come out of the lodge meetings and, and uh, they would say something like, well, go back in there. We're not done socializing. <laughs> so they were having so much fun and enjoying each other that uh, uh, that's, that's one of the, the blessings that lodges can, can deliver to their uh, lodge family if they just uh, think about it and figure out ways and, uh, and which ways work, with, work best for them. And I, and I think that is an incredible golden nugget there for lodges that are looking to either be more active or to grow, um, whether it's between themselves as members or just to grow the, the brotherhood themselves, that involving the family and involving each other uh, with activities, whether it be at the lodge or going out to have a fun night, whether it's movies or having a golf night or whatever it might be, just having that camaraderie and that brotherhood, is, is that is a golden nugget to help lodges grow and to help masonry as a whole. So I want to thank you again so much for, for not only sharing the knowledge and the wisdom and the light that you have, but also joining us on King Solomon's Wisdom. It means a lot to us, Most Worshipful. Um, and we, we want to thank you again because it, uh, it's out of the, the sincerity of our heart that uh, it makes us very, very thoroughly excited that you're here with us today. So thank you for helping us create excitement in Masonry. Thank you very much. Very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for tuning back in and watching King Solomon's Wisdom podcast. Uh, we also have our page on Facebook as well as the group. And today we are honored to have one of the most well-respected men in Texas Freemasonry, our most worshipful grandmaster, Paul D. Underwood of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas. Um, it's such a pleasure to have you on, uh, not only for the show, but just in support and helping create excitement about Masonry. Uh, it's something I know during your year that we wanted to achieve, and this is one way we wanted to help build uh, to that mission, to that goal. So thank you so much for being on. If you have any kind of closing or final remarks for our viewers or just Masons around the world that, that you might like to speak about. Thank you. Uh, I do. The, uh, the theme this year is, of course, Creed Excitement. And uh, we've uh, evolved with the landscape that has been provided to us. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, what sort of created the genesis of that, that theme was I was, I was um, going on TV a couple, three years ago, waiting to be interviewed on local broadcast, and, and a lady ahead of me was asking me what I was there for, and I told her I was there to, to talk about the Shrine Circus, and, and asked what she was there for, and she said, I'm here to create excitement. <laughs> and I thought, what could that be? And uh, she said, well, young man, she says, uh, nothing in this world ever happens until people get excited. She says, I'm here to create excitement. And I thought, I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. And so here we are with, with our own version of creating excitement. Right. And uh, that's been an evolution from the beginning of the year. But, um, you know, People in masonry have to get excited about what the opportunities are, what the future's about, and what we can do to help society and get excited about it. Then, then, then excitement will turn into action, and action will turn into good deeds. Right. So that's the, the, that's the motive for creating excitement. You know, the, uh, the, uh, 
there's a website out there called beafreemason.org that was created in partnership with the Northern Southern Jurisdiction of Scottish Rite as well as uh, Shriners International. The leaders of those three uh, appendant bodies uh, put their money and talents and resources into creating that website. And I, anybody that has even a remote interest in masonry ought to check it out. Because I believe it will answer many of your questions. And if it's doing its job, it will create excitement for you regarding uh, Freemasonry. Uh, also appreciate very much uh, uh, King Solomon's wisdom uh, providing this venue for uh, uh, this this podcast and, and this, using your Facebook page and, and your Facebook group to help promote excitement and uh, I'm, I'm excited myself about this. You've created excitement in me. <laughs> I like thank you all for that. It comes full circle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, from your excitement, we got our action, and from our action, hopefully, we'll not, you know, make some good deeds. Absolutely. So, again, thank everybody for watching. We look to see you in the next episode, and we hope that you enjoyed it. Again, this is our most worshipful grandmaster, Paul D. Underwood of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Texas. Again, thank you so much. It's been thank a you, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.